Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Tuesday, January 31st. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Author Goldie Taylor faced hurdles growing up in St. Anne and East St. Louis, including years of abuse. But a few influential teachers and librarians helped her find success by pursuing a thirst for knowledge. I don't even remember the librarian's name, but I just remember her glorious red lipstick and how she said there isn't a lot here, but she was going to show me what she had and I was going to devour every single thing. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin will speak with Taylor about her new memoir. Illinois lawmakers will study warehouse safety in the wake of the Edwardsville tornado that hit an Amazon facility. As St. Louis Public Radio's Will Bauer reports, Edwardsville Representative Katie Stewart will be a member of that special task force. Officially known as the Warehouse Safety Standards Task Force, Stewart will be one of 16 members in the group. Made of lawmakers and representatives from labor, business, and local governments, the group hopes to issue a final report by January 2025. Stewart, a Democrat in the Illinois House, says she's interested in learning more about storm shelters, which aren't currently required by international building codes. If the building codes set a standard level, there's nothing that stops an individual corporation or company or builder from building above that standard if they want to be concerned about worker safety. The task force will meet and issue reports quarterly. Stewart said she expects the group to be up and running within the next one to two months. I'm Will Bauer, St. Louis Public Radio. The Department of Justice is helping 26 rural school districts in Missouri identify threats of violence in time to stop them. A DOJ program uses software to scan a school's servers and Internet usage to spot photos, images, and videos that may suggest a student might hurt themselves or others. The University of Missouri is administering the $2 million grant program. Education professor Keith Herman says the software has a successful track record across the country. These types of activities do happen at school uh, while students are connected to the Internet, and they have been successful in detecting a, a wide number of threats. The grant includes training for each district to set up a threat assessment team that can learn how to address ongoing issues to help prevent violence. Supporters say a proposal in Springfield could help Illinois attract mega-projects by offering a new financial incentive. Alex Dagman reports. The measure would create a payment in lieu of taxes, or pilot mechanism. It allows businesses with projects worth more than $500 million to pay local taxing authorities a negotiated amount every year as property values increase. Illinois Chamber of Commerce Senior Vice President Clark Carricker puts it this way. They say, hey, we're going to come to your town. We're going to increase the value of this property and to your town by X amount. Uh, and that's a little expensive for us. Let's come to an agreement. This would help the Bears as they consider a new stadium complex in Arlington Heights. That's why this was floated in the first place. But Carricker says other businesses in other parts of the state could also benefit. The draft legislation does not yet have a sponsor. I'm Alex Degman. Several environmental groups are challenging a Missouri Department of Natural Resources decision to issue a water permit to a controversial silica mine in St. Genevieve. Environmentalists are asking the State Administrative Hearing Commission to reverse the decision. They fear the mine could pollute the water supply and harm local ecosystems. Ethan Thompson is a staff attorney at Great Rivers Environmental Law Center, which is representing the Sierra Club in the challenge. There's going to be silica dust in the air. It's going to run off in the water. 
and there's also other potential contaminants that are going to flow from the mine into the into this tributary of Establishment Creek. The commission will hold a hearing on the appeal in April. One of the largest agencies providing free legal services in the St. Louis area is getting a new home. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Lippman has more on legal services of eastern Missouri's pending move. Legal Services has been at its current location on Forest Park near Ikea for 28 years. But as it began offering new programs and serving more clients, the agency ran out of room. Its new space is on the 11th and 12th floors of the Peabody Tower at 7th and Market downtown. Legal Services board member Sandra Keyes says the location puts the agency closer to its partners. She says it's also easier for clients to access. Being that we are uh, located near the Metrolink and uh, several bus lines that are at the Civic Center station. And then the highways as well. The agency will move into the space in the next few days. I'm Rachel Lipman, St. Louis Public Radio. Protesters arrested in the aftermath of the 2017 acquittal of former St. Louis police officer Jason Stockley have secured a legal victory. The city of St. Louis opted to settle numerous lawsuits and pay roughly $5 million after protesters said the police violated their rights during a mass arrest using the kettle technique. That's a practice where officers surround and arrest anyone in an area. The Post-Dispatch reports 84 people will each receive roughly $58,000. The city has already paid $5 million to Luther Hall, a black undercover officer who was also assaulted by police that night. Author and public relations executive Goldie Taylor endured years of abuse and sexual assault growing up in St. Anne and East St. Louis. She writes about those years in her new memoir, The Love You Save. Taylor found her voice as a writer and public speaker with the help of teachers and her love for the work of James Baldwin and other African-American intellectuals. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin asked Taylor what prompted her to write the memoir. There was a conversation with my granddaughter, Taylor. And the the fight was, why can't you sleep in your own room? And I said, you know, Nana didn't have a bed when she was your age or even my own room. And I remembered making my pallet on the floor of my aunt's living room in East St. Louis, along with a gaggle of other cousins. And so that's what made me go back to those years. And I had to figure out, how did you get to that floor? And when I realized the chain of events that led to it, it broke my heart, quite frankly, for myself, for my parents, for the entirety of my family, for our community. Um, It left me, well, it left me mute. But with a powerful voice in your pen, right? Which we, we get to, we get to share in as a reader. I guess so. I've always been mouthy, my mother would say. (laughs) I've always had something to say about something all of my life. But that voice got a form. It got a reason for being. When I was in middle school in East St. Louis, I came upon my honors English teacher in eighth and ninth grade. Her name is Peggy Lewis Compt. But she was the first who challenged me. The voice not only was out loud, but she taught me how to put it on a page. And so the very same essays that I'm writing today, I tell people that I wrote the first one in the eighth grade, and I've been writing ever since. In junior high school, you you wrote an essay that began with the line, James Baldwin is missing. 
can you tell me about what yeah. you wrote about? I wanted more Baldwin and decided that I was going to write about him as the writer. I went to the local library, which was near the corner of, of 9th Street and State Street in East St. Louis, and his books were there, but there were no texts about him. But I could find volumes about Mark Twain, Walt Whitman. Gosh, there was so much about Ernest Hemingway to be found. I couldn't find anything about James Baldwin. And so that was the opening line. James Baldwin is missing. And the essay was about my trek to find him, to learn more about him. I gave it to Mrs. LeCompte the next day, and she read it and she smiled. You also tell a story about uh, a librarian giving you a photocopy of Frederick Douglass's introduction to a book by Ida B. Wells. There's a real sense in this book of African-Americans passing along a history to each other that, that was not being documented in the classroom or elsewhere. I think that's absolutely true. So during Black History Month, there are maybe 12 people, maybe 20 that will celebrate, but we'll celebrate them in passages. We won't celebrate the fullness of their story. We'll only hear pieces of who Dr. King was. We won't hear all of him. We filled in those blanks as a community through family and other relations by passing it down. I knew our family's history in Tunica, Mississippi, in Sugar Ditch, Mississippi. I knew our family's history in Spadra, Arkansas, and Persons County, North Carolina. That's where I learned our family history. It wasn't truly inside of school. My first introduction to Malcolm X was that paperback my uncle carried in his trench coat pocket walking down 10th Street to our house. He wanted to bring me something to read. He didn't know if this was the right thing, but there was a black man on the cover and he thought I might be interested. I don't even remember the librarian's name in East St. Louis at that public library, but I just remember her glorious red lipstick and her big black round curly hair. And how she said there isn't a lot here but she was going to show me what she had and i was going to devour every single thing that was author goldie taylor talking with st louis public radio's jeremy goodwin she'll discuss her memoir tomorrow at the ethical society of st louis our David Casares edited that report. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.